the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down! Welcome to Season 2 of the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. That's right, here we go. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's been, um, how long has it been? Since the late spring. The late spring. I haven't talked to you once since then. Yeah. <laughs> it's felt like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that we have this time to share once again. Yeah, and um, the kids are in school and it's uh, like starting to feel like fall. There's been a lot of new beginnings. Um, so that's it's, it feels good to be back at this microphone. That is true. And I think when we signed off on season one, I was at least expecting that, you know, COVID would be behind us by September of 2021 and we would be completely back to normal, which has proved true. <laughs> we were so hopeful then. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, do you, this is, this is the start of a new season. Do you have any opening words as we start off this podcast? Any, anything to say to people who might be tuning in for the first time? Yeah, just an inside reference for people that, maybe have been listening to other podcasts too who do you think you are do you get that reference yeah no i'm not that's not my possible podcast feed okay sorry about that no so i don't have anything for the general audience just something insiderish and clickish okay gotcha i can <laughs> i can roll with that i guess um speaking of insider and clickish i think we mm-hmm. i didn't introduce ourselves so um i'm emily the wife of jim anger i'm sitting in front of jim anger right now and um this is a podcast where i get to sit here and pick your brain about what's been going on specifically mm-hmm. your uh brain about the sun the sunday's sermon very true um and yeah so right in front of me jim anger um I have this special role of uh, interrogator. I don't know. What is uh, the host? The Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> are you sure nobody? Sometimes <laughs> our kids are. Fair they, enough. They do, um, they do have questions for you. Um, but yeah, let's just jump right into it. This is a show where we are, are thinking about what's going on in church. We've been taking a long break. Mm-hmm. Like you've alluded to, COVID is not totally behind us. Um and so there's been a lot of you've been thinking and reflecting a lot about this, the church and where we're headed. And I think that this new sermon series might be connected to that. So do you want to jump in where as we do call it Stormy Monday? Um, why this sermon? Why this Sunday? There's a lot to unpack, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that um, with uh, podcast in general. So part of the idea is that as we live modern lives, uh, we're constantly discipled. Uh, We might not use that word, but we're constantly being shaped by what's around us and what we're consuming. And so if most people spend a ton of time listening to podcasts, spend a ton of time with screens, listening to things, watching things, I think at Liberty Collingswood, not just with this podcast, not just with our sermon feed, but we are going to try to build out digital content so that you can be discipled by hopefully the things of Jesus a little bit more than otherwise by trying to find a little bit of space in what some theologians have called digital Babylon. So here we are, (laughs) uh, Liberty Collingswood voice in the midst of that, which also relates to 
the new sermon series that we started this past Sunday. And what a coincidence that we're restarting the podcast at the beginning of this new sermon series too. So the book of Genesis, beginning at the beginning, and I announced at Liberty Collingswood this Sunday as well, a two-year project, 24 months of Represence Initiative, where in a lot of different fronts at church, we're going to try to cultivate the presence of God in our lives, be present before God, be present before one another, and be present in this community for mission, we hope, in new ways, post-Christian world, post-COVID-ish world. And starting at the beginning with Genesis made sense because this is the story of the world. Right. I, you know, represents that title. Uh-huh. It doesn't roll off my tongue, but the more I think about it, the more it does feel um, of the moment where we've been absent from each other for so long that um, being present with each other seems really important. Um, and I think being present for one another at church and before God, mm-hmm. um, it feels like the right term, even if represents like Clara it's a made-up word. Clara gave me a look like, what is he talking about when you <laughs> said that? Um, right. But I, I do like this concept about um, about trying to like reactivate our brains because, yeah, the I do resonate also with that term digital Babylon where mm-hmm. I feel like um, I've been entertaining myself so much with uh, the things of all things digital that um, we my are brain, now entertain us. Yeah, my brain is full of very random things. Um and so I'm hopeful personally that um, being a podcaster here and listening or, or trying to like have a place to reflect upon deeper truths yeah. will keep me from being um, drawn to my shallow little following. Yeah. Well, well, tell me, what are some of your most common podcasts, baby, that you'll oh, listen right to? Right now, I have been What's following... What's in your queue? I've been following Big Brother, so I've just listened to Big Brother podcasts, which... <laughs> It's <laughs> so morally. Actually, there are some interesting racial um, justice things that are going on that are right. that are interesting. But um, so it's not as devoid of um, depth as you might think. But um, not the, completely the without form and void. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, what's in your podcast? Uh, a lot, a lot of celebratory Eagles podcasts. Yeah, uh, since they the Eagles won't be won celebratory game. that long. No, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> so sports and church; those are kind of the two things. A little bit of Bruce Springsteen thrown in there, okay. and yeah, that's that's what I've got. And to continue to think about that represents initiative idea. It's also our mission statement, so it was a little bit of a callback. So right. live, speak, and serve is a very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs. And what we're going to try to do at church for this next season and seasons is, you know, continue to invite uh, people that don't yet know Jesus, that may be skeptical of spiritual realities, to, to, to learn the way and the ways of Jesus in their lives. But then also for people at church already or becoming uh, Christians to become resilient disciples in a season of our world where following Jesus might be a little bit difficult. And we're going to try to develop a third way walk and worldview. So neither right nor left, those are the one and two ways, but following Jesus is neither aligned or beholden uh, to the secular right or to the secular left. How do we do something that's different than each? And so in this sermon series, we're going to be talking about some topical subjects that are of the moment right now. And as we build out a worldview, 
we begin once again, like I said, with the story of the world from Genesis in the beginning. Yeah, that um, that does move us into that next category, Sun Studios, mm-hmm. how the sermon got made. Um, by the way, I just as a season two thing, I should mention that um, Jim created these like headings that mm-hmm. deal with like different topical whatevers, and I have no idea what Sun Studios is, but. Somehow it's like some music thing. It was the recording studio (laughs) of your favorite recording artist. So here we go. Um, And in there, there was a, there was a, there's, there's some title of some song called I Met Her in Church. That's right. (laughs) And our next section is um, talking about um, the specific Bible passage that you were addressing. And you've already alluded to it Mm -hmm. where you're, you were uh, introduced this sermon series, um, Genesis then and now, which I will say does seem like a phone-in title. <laughs> Couldn't come up with anything better. Well, I was just so beaten down by all of the negative reaction to Paul Perry last time. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, it, I'm a it's, shell of a man just cranking yeah. out, you know, phone-in sermon like series titles. The practical Genesis then and now is is uh, better than I met her in church. So, <laughs> um, fair enough. But yeah, like. Uh, what made you choose Genesis? Like you kind of are alluding to like new beginnings, but mm-hmm. what is it exactly that brought us here? So if in the moment that we're living right now, it feels like, so I preached, or I gave a talk at Liberty Network Leaders Retreat on Saturday, When the Gospel is Not Enough, was the title of, I was there. of the talk. And Steve, you were Huber, there. Steve Huber nervously said, no, he actually means that he, he or he does believe that. Right. It was a enough. lark. It was a canard. So the, <laughs> the gospel is enough. But just saying, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. It's really good news so that you can be saved. Uh, know that you're going to heaven completely forgiven of sins. Uh, there are so many other sorts of questions and thoughts and struggles that whether you're a Christian or not, you're having living in this modern context that may not directly relate to Jesus and salvation. I'm just feeling more and more that we need to contextualize Jesus and salvation, which is enough, which is still the most important thing, with a deeper and broader view of what's going on in our world. And I've been struck all over again going into Genesis, even the first couple of chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, which is going to be really slow cook this fall. We're going to go not super fast through these verses. That it, This this pre-modern book written thousands of years ago still has a lot to say to contemporary contexts. And the, the main burden that I felt going into this Sunday was this whole idea of we're on the hook before God. I told this story at the beginning of the sermon about the curfew wars with my dad and how when I was in high school, I wanted to stay out later. He wanted me to come in earlier on a Friday or Saturday night. Uh, But he's like, hey, you're in my house and you're driving my car, burning my gas. We're feeding you. We're clothing you. So it's really a category error for you to say, I'm just going to do things my own way. And so when Genesis begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void, darkness over the face of the deep, the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. This is our father's world, and we're not living autonomously, but we're living contingently within within that world. So yeah, that was kind of the big picture burden. And it's only two verses here for this Sunday. Um, one of the things that 
to me brings out some of the texture and flavor to use. Uh, we had a nice meal in the city yeah, yesterday finally. With, with good textures and flavors. And so what brings out texture and flavor a little bit more as we go into Genesis chapter 1 is I tried to talk a little bit, and this is like a matter in church uh, Bible text thing, bring in some conversation partners from ancient contexts, uh, Egypt, Babylon, and Samaria. So comparing the Genesis creation story with some others in the ancient context to see even more what the author of Genesis here is trying to do. So if in these other creation stories, there's God being in the fray and not above the fray, God being part of the world, not separate from it. Uh, God really struggling, or the gods, the divinities struggling to manage to create the world. It's such a different picture uh, compared to what we find here in Genesis. Right. I think, um, or I'm, I am noticing in my notes the idea that um, that Genesis was written not to our modern audience. It was written to people who were who had these other creation stories and other gods in their minds. Yeah. But um, I think you were doing a good job of. Um, connecting kind of those beliefs that Egyptian beliefs or the um, Babylonian mindset about false gods and where we are in present day. Um, Genesis then and now. <laughs> so how would you say like would you say that now connects to like an Egyptian worldview or um, yeah so it's, ancient contexts. Yeah so when the modern day of virtue signaling and assigning different affiliations in one way or another. I don't think that many people are necessarily going to say, I identify with the Egyptian creation story, or I just love the Enuma Elish. That's, I'm, I'm team Enuma when it comes to that Babylonian creation story. But I think there are some ideas related to current thinking about how, how there's nothing above us, there's nothing below us, we are the center and measure of all things. And what God is doing in Genesis 1, uh, heavy-duty creation of meaning, purpose, world, that burden is only on us right now, and I think we're starting to feel some fatigue as a result. And I feel like we're moving into muddying the waters a little bit here. Sure, muddying the waters being the next section where you're, you're thinking about like what um, was difficult about constructing it, um, mm-hmm. or what kind of context are you trying to engage the, the current climate of... Yeah. Um, thought. Um, where, where do you see um, Genesis one, specifically these two verses um, speaking to um, the things that you're seeing? Yeah. So in these two verses here, there's no you know action item. There's no imperative. So there's a lot of freedom of interpretation, and for a preacher to say, hey, I think I'm going to take this in this direction instead of that direction. But what caught my eye, and I mentioned this too during the sermon, was that the word for created, bara, bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning, God created. That verb is pretty common in the Old Testament, but only using God as subject. So God is a big C creator that does the big C creating. So if on the other hand, modern context, there's no God, there's nothing above us, and it's up to me to be the big C creator for my own life, uh, creating identity, creating meaning, creating purpose, creating community, creating a curated and well put together modern lifestyle. I see us trying to do too much and then the fatigue, the fragility, the fracturing 
sets in because we're trying to do work that more properly is God's and not ours to do. Right. And I, I definitely resonate with that concept. The social media critiques, the um, feeling like you need to do the best job at every aspect of parenting or every yeah. aspect of having a house um, and decorating or um, exercising correctly, eating correctly, all of the things. Um, it is interesting that or you're pointing out that um, it's not super crazy to think that um, maybe maybe us being authors of our own lives is not the best path or the, the path that makes the most sense. Right. And at the surface level, vis-a-vis -vis modern context, that can be like a really disempowering kind of idea. Like, how in the world are you telling me that I can't do all things? Well, if it's true, it's true, right? And it's just a category error. So, you know, I've heard preachers say, you know, I wish that I was a concert pianist or I wish that I was a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. But if that's just not a fit for me, it's not a fit for me. So instead of, you know, being disempowering to think that I'm not going to be the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles or a concert pianist, I'm just finding what fits and I need to learn how to be properly empowered in contexts that do actually fit who I am. And so it's not disempowering to say, hey, I don't need to be the big C creator of my own life all the time. It's actually freeing so that we can flourish in a deeper way. Sure. Um, and I also, the concept of, you were saying that skepticism or religious skepticism specifically is not necessarily a smarter path, but it just feels cooler. Oh. Like it does seem like um, that's connected I like saying to, that. <laughs> um, it's connected to the feeling like you have to make yourself but then also be skeptical of anything that's telling you what to do, mm -hmm. um, that that innately seems like it's it's just cooler. I could see that with even teenagers who are probably not listening to this, so our teenagers who might feel we, themselves... We are big with the young people I know, of today on this when, podcast. Come on. When I was a teenager too, though, that's how I felt. Like You just feel very skeptical about um, anyone who's telling yeah. you what to do sure the systems don't make sense um and as you walk through life just realizing like it feels better to be um to understand that there's there is something that's bigger than us that is setting the parameters and mm -hmm. is helping shape our identities um and so yeah i think that it's it's an interesting concept to think about like how much of our bent towards feeling like it's smarter to be skeptical um how how that might be intrinsically false yeah so skipping ahead to the guitar slim pickings before we get back to muddy waters that was a dallas willard who is a theologian oh, culture critic we live in a culture that has for centuries now cultivated the idea that the skeptical person is always smarter than the one who believes. And I almost didn't put this in because it is a little snarky and cranky, but, mm -hmm. you know, so am I sometimes, right? Yeah, you, you mentioned your grumpy old man. You can face. almost be as stupid as a cabbage as long as you doubt. And and that's true. And so, you know, not not to throw our own kids under the bus, you know, too much or extensively. We'll just do it a little bit. Like, you know, contemporary ideas that you know, their friends in school, what what they're what they're hearing just on a day to day basis um, in terms of secularity. It, it can sound like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. This is obvious. Why doesn't everybody think this way? 
but it's only obvious to people that are already drinking the Kool-Aid and, and, and already thinking that way. And so whether it's, hey, this world came from nowhere, the cosmos is uncreated, is that really as obvious an idea as it seems, the whole idea of give, give a kid a toy and tell the kid that it comes from nowhere? But, but even historically, so we can think that like for Christians and the Christian story, this is uniquely a period where just religious commitment seems out of date and weird. It's been that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. So as early as post-Reformation and post and Renaissance period itself in Europe, the idea was already around like 500 years ago that Christianity is outdated. In, right. in, in England, there was a controversy in the Church of England called the Latitudinarian Controversy. And so Ooh. the, you know latitude kind of space on both sides what's longitude latitude the one that that, that <laughs> yeah, goes the around the, the horizontal latitude, lines yeah. I, I i had a teacher that said latitude fatitude so just thinking about like stretching out right. a little bit probably not appropriate for today's context but so latitude the latitudinarians were people within the church of england i think 17th century so 1600s that just sort of felt okay, taking religion seriously in the context of the church, taking the gospel seriously, taking the Bible seriously is just sort of this awkward teenage phase for a human being to be in where you're all fired up about things. You think you're so smart, but you actually come across as dumb, awkward, and not fully baked yet as a human being. Let's move beyond the religious enthusiasm to become modern secular people right. that was hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. and the idea there according to somebody like dallas willard is that the latitudinarians didn't have better arguments about how the world needs to be this way instead of that way it was just cooler yeah. uh, to to be able to say no we're we're not going to get revved up in this direction let's cultivate a freer life apart from god um we get what we ask for when we do such things yeah, that's it. It's interesting thinking about how I mean, the sermon is you're you're trying to say that there is a different context that we're facing right now. But yet mm -hmm. it's it's also a context that was there 500 years ago. Like it does feel like Ecclesiastes a little bit yeah. where it's a similar thing and we're in a cycle and Nothing the, new this under the sun. specific cycle moment that we're in does seem different still to you than like the cycle that we were just previously in like pre covid mm -hmm. like not even covid related necessarily but like where our culture was in the 90s and early 2000s i've, I've heard you talk about um yeah like do you want to flesh out a little bit like what the context shift that you're seeing is that you're seeing um and how it's connecting to this the moment of time 500 years ago or or maybe we've been right so so the acceleration part and i mentioned this am at the talk that I gave on Saturday at the Liberty Leaders Retreat. So we're, we're, we're two layers removed from evangelism explosion making sense, if I could use that sort of analogy. So uh, when, say, in the mid-20th century, 
there was this program for evangelizing people that was put together. So you memorize a gospel outline and then you go out to the sidewalk or you knock on people's doors. Uh, you don't necessarily need to know who they are. So it was kind of anti-relational and in right. retrospect weird from that perspective too. But you start out by saying, if you were to die, let me ask you, a qu- like Larry David, hey, let me ask you a question. Exactly Larry David, like Larry David. Exactly like that. If you were to die today and stand before God and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And then are you sure? And, you know, person on the street would say maybe, well, I'm not really sure. Tell, tell me more. Well, the bad news is that we're broken in sin, the Bible says. But the good news is that Jesus is given to us as our substitute so that we can get into heaven. Are you, you have ready, a doubt. Are you ready today you memorized it to well. make that commitment? And you actually had a spiritual birth certificate that you carried around and said, you know, if you're able to pray this prayer right now, here's a spiritual birth certificate. So if you want to sign it now, we can seal the deal. All right. And so that only works in terms of conversation if there's a shared worldview underneath. And so it was an effective tool for talking about Jesus with other people, because even if somebody wasn't believing in Jesus, they still would have said, there's such a thing as right and wrong. There's such a thing. Yeah, it makes sense that there's sin. I don't really read the Bible. I, I'm not super familiar with it. Yeah, but the Bible's probably true. And so, yeah, I should probably listen. And yes, there probably is a heaven and a hell and a God to whom I need to be accountable. Right. So 20 years ago, we were already past that world, at least here on the East Coast. And, you know, why should we believe the Bible? Why is there a heaven and hell? Why why is there a God to begin with? And so you're actually assuming so much before we even have this conversation right. about the mental furniture and the worldview that I have in place. Now, so that's one layer removed. The two layers removed is, I think for a lot of secular people, it's you know, I don't even want to have a conversation with you about God and the Bible and heaven and hell. Not only do I have deep skepticism about those things being true, but let's talk about instead, you know, what has the church done to people of color over the years? Mm-hmm. What has the church done to people that identify LGBTQ? Uh, why did the church elect Donald Trump to be our president? Right. And those are the defeater and the objector beliefs that to me, are important things to, to talk about, but Paul doesn't say any of those things are the main things. Uh, but the secondary issues, according to the Bible's triage, are now primary issues. And just how do we wrap our minds around that crazy reality of um, wanting to learn how to talk about the right things in the right ways and in the right sequence? It's just really complicated right now. Sure. And so I think... I. Th- think it's been or it's just interesting to dive in I guess I am kind of like mulling over stuff that you said at that that leadership retreat yeah. as well as the sermon but thanks for coming um, <laughs> uh, I think that it will be good for our congregation to kind of think about these things and um, the the your ending point as you were trying to like um, wrap up just the concept of how we are looking to the Bible now and looking to um, the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think God in the Bible prominently in Genesis. Um, I liked when you said um, to the response to your skeptic saying the God of the Bible really freaks me out that mm-hmm. your response was it's worse than you think. It's worse than you think. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah. So what is it about how we're going to perceive God um as we look at scriptures, how is that going to be engaging this context that you're trying to look at? 
So if in previous ways that I thought about ministry, and this this wasn't necessarily my intention, but here, here here's a crude stereotyping of Jim Anger ministry in previous iterations, where I work really hard to make God palatable and and relevant and say, okay, we can have some like hard conversations about hard things around the periphery, but understand like what you really want out of life and out of God is the sweet spot, is the fat part of the bat for the scriptures also. Now, I think that that's true, but where I see emphases needing to be placed right now is not to find necessarily the middle ground on everything, but let the Bible be weird. So we grew up, or if we didn't grow up, you grew up in in Texas. One of the slogans, I think, that came from Austin, like, keep Austin weird, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so as, as Austin was like the hippest, coolest place in Texas, you know, then the corporations came and Austin's being corporatized again. So there's been a move. This is 20 years ago. I don't know if it's still going on, but keep Austin weird. Let let it let the rough edges of this weird place be also what's attractive about this place. And so similarly now, I'm thinking, hey, let's keep the Bible weird. And so on one hand, to be captivated and challenged by a God that really is fierce and ferocious and does some crazy things that that remind us. I was listening to a podcast from the Bible Project recently that said reading the Bible is a cross-cultural experience. And I think hmm. for us in the West, you know, Christendom has been around for a long time where we forget that, you know, we are reading a book in translation from like really, really different cultures. And so there is an irreducible foreignness to the God of the scriptures. But the flip side is that if God is fiercely separate and often just plain fierce when we encounter that God in the Bible, God is also ferociously and fiercely for the lowly and for the outcast. And so there is a huge amount of power that the scriptures ascribe to God. But that power, when we see that dynamic in the cross, is for the lowly, for the outcast, for the widow, for the orphan. And so let's take in the weirdness on one hand, but then also see if we can be captivated all the more by the beauty that doesn't cancel out the weirdness, but somehow coheres with it. Sure. Um, yeah, that's it is a drawing, engaging concept, especially as we um, understand ourselves as all outcasts or out, yeah. all all sure. poor and needy at mm-hmm. at one level. Um, that God would, and you were emphasizing the word condescension, that God would condescend to us. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm excited about your diving in um, to like the weirdness of scripture as well as the. For sure. And just about that condescension real quick, that is one of the things um, we are going all over the place right now. Guitar Slim Pickens, anything I would have wanted to do differently. Like condescension Mm -hmm. often in our context, just English word wise, can it can can have a negative connotation. So, oh, you're being so condescending. Right, right, right. to me right now not not that or my, our kids ever told loving when like <laughs> our the, kids have ever told when, us no, that. when the teachers are like condescending to them that's like the worst right like they yeah. don't like a teacher who like treats them like adults or humans like they respond so much better to yeah and so there's there's a bad condescension for sure but then also a good condescension by which somebody who has more power more status more wisdom more age 
bends and actually relates to somebody quote unquote lower, but sure. on that person's level. And God goes out of his way to, to, to condescend. And I don't know when we're going to get to it because we're going so slowly through, through the book of Genesis. But, but Derek, one of our elders at Liberty Callings, we were talking about some aspects of the sermon series, he and I, and, and he thought of the story of Hagar and Ishmael later on in Genesis mm-hmm. where Abraham is married to Sarah, but then Sarah has trouble conceiving. And so he takes as a concubine or a second wife, Hagar, who has Ishmael, but then Ishmael is despised uh, by Sarah. Sarah also despises Hagar. There's a jealousy rivalry thing going on. Um, If Sarah, and to a lesser extent, but still Abraham, are actually really cruel to Hagar and this infant Ishmael, God is very kind. And we find... God meeting Hagar with Ishmael in the wilderness, God goes out to them. So the same God that in the beginning created the heavens and the earth, going back to the sermon text from this morning, pursues Hagar and Ishmael as the least of these so far in the story. And that's the God that we worship, and that's the God that serves us through Christ. Yeah, and that's a good good news for, the, um, for us in the still handling COVID phase, whatever whatever specific context um, our congregation is facing, mm-hmm. it certainly is a place where it is it feels good to know. I don't, the represence initiative too that God is present with us um, in in the different levels of hardship that each of us is facing yeah. um, is is a good is a good is good news to us. So right. um, and so even with the. Uh... The, the two main points of the sermon, God's power and God's presence, we need both. So mm-hmm. presence without power is just kind of wishy-washy right. and not not really something that makes a difference in our lives. But then on the other hand, power without presence is just authoritarianism. And sure. so we do want to be clear in challenging our secular friends, whether on the secular right or on the secular left, that Genesis tells us loud and clear and I think this comports with the deep intuition of our hearts as well, even if we don't always admit it, that we are not alone. Yeah. And that we are not free. But that's not bad news. That's good news because this powerful God to whom we are beholden and on the hook is also the one that is near to us with grace in Jesus. Good stuff. Um, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I praise We're for working me. hard over here. There was a someone sleeping on my lap during your sermon, so... I- <laughs> Probably is not great news to everyone, but uh, it was you know. a sleepover for yeah, some sleepover yeah. Saturday night for mm-hmm. some members of the anchor household. Um, but moving on, um, just back to the yeah, overall, yes. Like I think I'm excited about all of this. I'm excited about the new starts. I'm excited about um, being back to podcasting with you. Um, yeah. Our next section is bar band cover tunes, where you're talking through some of your specific references. I honestly, I just wrote down count. Bassy, is it Bassy? Basie? Count Basie. That's the right. only one I wrote down. Other than that, I didn't. I got nothing. But <laughs> right, your friend is at the stage um, for your slow cooking Bordeaux. Right. So we were, we're. When was the last time we made a slow cooked Bordeaux meal? Probably. It's the, been a while. Yeah, Coco Van. Let's get some Coco Van going. <laughs> it's almost including literally in the fall. <laughs> um, setting setting the stage for your slow cooked. Right. Sermon series, yeah, glass of Bordeaux and Count Basie on the on the Sonos bar. 
Yeah, well, next in time our household, next, it's on the CD. Next player. time we podcast, maybe that should be the vibe that we go for. <laughs> Light a couple of candles, pour. So, yeah, we, we we were actually encouraged with the consulting company that we use to help our ministry in digital Babylon last year. Um, uh, this is not an idea that we followed through to, through on yet, but the the people that gave us feedback said. Hey, with your podcast, it's really great. You and Emily should do a boozy one where, <laughs> where it's like post-Sunday blues after dark and we pour some wine and turn yeah. the lights down and, 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 and see where that goes. Put that on YouTube. Yeah, that would be our first live on Instead YouTube Instead of one. me being in exercise clothes and you with your unkempt Hey, curls. you look great. We look great. No, no question about that. Some Someday, maybe. Maybe not. Okay. Probably not. We'll see. Um Anyway, did you did you make other references? I can't even. Well, let's see. Oh, uh, Zadie Smith. Oh uh, yeah, you do favorite like con- her. Yeah. contemporary writer. I I think I've read everything. Well, or she's written a lot of articles, but but like everything that's been put into book form by by her talking about American believism, and, and like you know, just as long as you believe it, it's true. American faith long ago detached itself from any particular religion, achieving autonomy in and of itself. So autonomy was one of the things that I wrestled with during the sermon and talked about in different ways. Believing in belief is what makes Luke a Jedi, Cinderella a princess, Pinocchio a real boy. This is the lesson. If you believe it, it will be real. And to let Zadie Smith talk to Dallas Willard, which I'm you know, 99.9% sure that conversation never happened in, in real life before Dallas Willard died. So I think Smith is right. And she's not personally a person of faith as far as I know. But she's also poking some gentle fun at this idea that, yeah, if you believe it, it's it's real. Mm-hmm. She's saying, like, that doesn't make any sense. Right, right. But, but it just seems intuitively true. So there's more going on under the surface there. So... Thank you, Zadie, once again, for keeping it real. <laughs> um, that does, yeah, but that, that does speak to, like, our teenagers, too. Like, if you you just believe in yourself so much that your life could be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, believing yourself is such a double-edged sword where, and I think both of us, we would say, that that's great advice. That's, that's awesome. We do, and we want our kids to, like, feel properly empowered to believe in themselves Mm -hmm. to 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 not cower before anyone but you know you've heard me say many times including on saturday that mark twain said be yourself is the worst advice you can give some people so there there is the the other side like believe in yourself but like i'm not that good and i hope that i have deeper resources (laughs) what would you be like if you were just yourself (laughs) oh that, that's a whole nother podcast entirely right there. <laughs> I would be I would be just sitting and binge watching really junky reality TV all day. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> dead. <laughs> um, yeah, be yourself. I don't yeah, I don't know. And let's see here. We also had Mark Sayers, somebody that I listened to a good bit. I just finished reading I, th- I think my third Sayers book. So I've read Facing Le- Leviathan by him, Disappearing Church for the Liberty Retreat talk, I finished up reading The Reappearing Church. So Mark Sayers says that the only remaining cultural taboo is to commit self-disobedience, to acknowledge that, that authority does not lie with us, that we ultimately have no autonomy, to admit that we're broken and we need Jesus. And so self-autonomy can can sound like, you know, self-canceling uh, or 
renouncing our own autonomy can can sound like self-canceling in today's day and age but you know if we're not totally autonomous why not just admit what's true and what fits us so Mark Sayers, smart guy, Australian. Can you think of an example of that for yourself? Like something that like you actually are giving up about yourself that um, for the sake of obedience or the sake of a, a better or bigger calling? Marriage. <laughs> what do you mean by that one? So, you know, there's, there's, part, of, there's part of me that would just want to live in New Orleans by myself, mm. go listen to music in clubs every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> repeat. Be that guy right, at the to, bar by himself. Yes, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a dashing fedora. I mean, it's a horrible vision for, I mean, it's <laughs> deeply compelling, but also <laughs> horrifying. But, but I understand that like living for me to live just that type of party music life which sounds silly saying that way is because it is silly and so for me to be curbed in some of those desires by way of marriage and by way of family makes me a better version of myself and so uh, there is a good renouncing of total autonomy for the sake of living a life that's more pleasing to God more oriented towards giving to other people and ultimately more satisfying to myself as well. Sure. And now you get a companion for your shows wearing your fedora with your with your 17-year-old son. That's right. We're going to see The Killers next week in Philly. Wait killers? for it. Uh, Wait, what night? They're, they're actual <laughs> murderers. Is this on our calendar? It's <laughs> no, it's on, it's on the calendar. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and they haven't killed anybody yet, so... To, that's positive <laughs> one one funny thing about uh speaking of sun studios one of the artists that recorded there was was jerry lee lewis and his nickname this is night you know started recording in the 1950s country western but then moved into rock and roll as the times were a change and his nickname was was the killer um and so it, like you know just like a great performer like hard driven piano rock and roll uh, a few years after that, he may actually have killed somebody. Oh, no. That's the whole so there story. So there could be a secret story with the killers, too. I'm not That's sure right. if I want you to be corrupting our son this way. But. Sorry, Brad and Flowers. <laughs> um, well, I will. I apologize for not, like, my note My note taking prior to this had been, I had been more aware of, like, needing the bar band cover tunes. I had this, like, special code. And oh, it hey, it's, it's been preseason for us, too. Yeah, well, this was a warm-up podcast. I will be on my game t- next week. You were on point. <laughs> Moving on to guitar slim pickings as we just, like, wrap up everything. Um, any leftovers? Any Anything you want to talk about? Alternative okay. title, Jen Perry. Yeah, that got lots of laughs. Got huge laughs in the congregation. Giant so if, if you go back and listen to the to the recording, whether you watch the audio and video of my sermons or if you just listen to audio, please know that. And maybe this is something that we can work on. Uh, there, there, there's no mic in the room, so when there are these jokes that, that I make and then vacuous silence that follows just know that in the room people are dying of yeah. laughter so. and then other people are just blinking at you also i wasn't sure if you said <laughs> the sound of eye rolls <laughs> i wasn't sure if you said jen pre or jim pre oh <laughs> i love it um 
but I guess mm-hmm. you said Jen, which probably is better. Well, That's a good Howlin' Wolves, go ahead and write in if you heard the sermon and go back and listen, listen to it. Was I saying Jen Puri or Jim Puri? I mean, that should be the title of this podcast instead of whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, both sound very aromatic and alluring. Um, yeah. I can't smell anything post-COVID. <laughs> also true. It's another story to unpack, but um, anything else? Any other things that you want to share behind the scenes i think we covered it i think we did the deed okay good stuff um so we'll we'll move on to the last section which really was the encore the howling wolves things that we hear from listeners Mm -hmm. since we've had the break have has anyone even mentioned that we're gone (laughs) have you heard from anyone oh yeah (laughs) clamoring for season two of this podcast you have no idea okay Seriously, no, no Howlin' Wolves. Uh, Got nothing. Okay, if you want, <laughs> I, I, I did have people mention uh, asking about the podcast, but I, you know, honestly, my summer, no, <laughs> my no. brain is so. We have full plenty of, of people ask ask after the podcast. I just don't have a, a Howlin' Wolf email. Somebody that emailed in to post Sunday Blues at gmail.com. Is that still functioning as an email address? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Am I supposed to be checking it? Um, kind of. <laughs> that will be that'll make it to my to-do list also. Um, but yeah, write in to us either at the postsundayblues at gmail.com, as Jim mentioned, mm-hmm. or just reach out to one of us if you know how to reach us, the bad yeah. signals. Um, and we can engage with you about whatever thoughts are in your minds, whether it be about the sermon or anything else going on in church yeah. or your life. Let's keep the conversation um, going. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun when that happens, when we get to engage with other people instead of just like what comes up in our heads. So um, feel free to write in. Um, and I think... I thrive that... on feedback. <laughs> Do you though? If I give you feedback, are you thriving? It's, it's constructive <laughs> criticism is my jab. When Jesse gives Mostly you feedback, giving. <laughs> there are certain kids who are better at giving feedback to their parents than others. And, you know, I will say that, like, if you give feedback in a way that is like, like palatable, it, it helps. I do respond worse to certain Hashtag real talk. That's true. Um, so probably the way you write, yeah, if you wanted to pad your pad your email with lots of flowery <laughs> accolades, I'm sure that um, the response you get will be... Rapturous. Be the ha- happy Jim and not grump, mm. grumpy old man That's Jim. That's right. Um, grumpy old man Jim. What were you before, grumpy old man? The same but smaller. Grumpy young man. Mm-hmm. Um, what will you be like 10 years from now? The same but bigger. You'll still be grumpy old man. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of owning your story. That's I right. guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. How do we close up this thing again? Well, we ask people to rate, review, and subscribe. And then we ask a question. Oh, and that question would be, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Okay, let's try again. Okay, here we go. Are we on? Am I speaking? Is this working? It's not. Oh, no. Uh, hold on.